Well, this morning, uh, we have the privilege of having a special guest uh, with us, and so I'm going to invite Sandy, if, if she would come up at this time. Um, just a little uh, history and, and backstory. Um, when Meg and I first got married, we were both working full-time. Uh, we had just finished school, and so we, I don't know if this describes anything like you, but we would come home after work, and I was doing some graduate studies at the time, and we would both be exhausted. And we would kind of look at each other and try and feel, do you want to cook dinner? No. Do you want to cook dinner? No, I don't want to cook dinner either. All right, let's just order in or let's go out for dinner. Um, and so we played this out o- over a little while. And finally, we scratched our head and said, we got to get more organized on this. Like, this, it's not impossible for us to sit down and actually have a dinner together, is it? So Meg started a, a little bit of research and came across a cookbook that uh, was much more than a cookbook and was actually an organizational framework to help with meal planning. And all of the meals that we tried in there, we loved. And we loved the fact that they were all quick, and they were easy, and they were complete meals all in one. And so, you know, from prep time, like 20 minutes, we could get something done, which is basically as long as it would take us to walk down the street to the little Vietnamese restaurant that we would always go to when neither of us wanted to cook. And so, um, you know, 13 years ago, we kind of started... Uh, and getting exposed to some of uh, Sandy's work in that context. And then we saw her on the Food Network. She has a a, a show called Fixing Dinner, which some of you may be familiar with. And I think we have every one of the cookbooks that she's published since then. And they all follow the same (laughs) format that's so wonderful and so helpful. And so uh, through a partnership with Focus on the Family, just across the street here, she was out and doing other things in the city and meetings with them. And so we asked if she would be willing to stay over on Sunday and share a little bit of her heart and her story with us. And so we're wonderfully privileged uh, to have Sandy Rashad with us here. So won't you welcome her as she comes to share with us this morning. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, can we make this just a tad taller? Absolutely. You know, in my 50s, I can't see anymore, you know. I just, you know, the glasses. Just want to keep on task here. Thanks very much. And I also want to thank uh, Pastor Brad. Uh, and his wife, Meg, because I know that when you give up your floor on Sunday morning, uh, the topic must be pretty important to be able to give that up to somebody else. And it tells me a lot about the leadership here, and it tells me a lot about the body, that you would have me speaking instead of Pastor Brad. So thank you very, very much for that. And we know behind every great pastor, there is a wife that is doing a lot of stuff. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> So I, I want to share with you um, a little bit about my journey, and what we're going to do is we're going to start, today is just more of that. I want to tell you about what I was going through, how I was struggling as a young mom, and how in many ways society was making me sort of live a lie. And uh, the first thing I want to do is I want to go to the next slide, and I want you to listen carefully to this song. I want you to listen to the words. Little boy in a baseball hat Stands in the field with his ball and bat Says I am the greatest player of them all Puts his bat on his shoulder and he tosses up his ball And the ball goes up and the ball comes down Swings his bat all the way around the world's so still you can hear the sound The baseball falls to the ground 
Now the little boy doesn't say a word, picks up his ball, he is undeterred. Says I am the greatest there has ever been, and he grits his teeth and he tries it again. And the ball goes up and the ball comes down, swings his bat all the way around. The world's so still you can hear the sound The baseball falls to the ground He makes no excuses He shows no fear He just closes his eyes And listens to the cheers Little boy He adjusts his head Picks up his ball, stares at his bat Says I am the greatest, the game is on the line And he gives his all, one last time And the ball goes up like the moon so bright Swings his bat with all his might And the world's as still as still can be Baseball falls And that's strike three Now it's supper time And his mama calls Little boy starts home With his bat and ball Says I am the greatest That is a fact But even I didn't know like that Says I am the greatest That is understood But even I didn't know I could pitch that good Now, why do you think I love that song? Now, isn't it, isn't it true that we see things from different perspectives, right? Or we can see things from different perspectives. And that's kind of what I want to offer up today as a part of my story. I want you to be able to look at things from a different perspective than what we're being told in the media. And, uh, and so that means you've got to bend your head around some, maybe some, some things than what you're used to hearing. Um, I want you to sort of put into your, your, your head that maybe dinner time or not getting to the dinner table has nothing to do with food. I believe that not getting to the dinner table is an emotional and a time problem. I don't think it's a food problem. Yeah, thanks. Uh, <laughs> the little one just gave me a round of applause. <laughs> um, here we are at a dinner table. Okay, here's my family at a dinner table. And Nikki has come to the table and she is growly. And it is not okay. She's slamming things, and she's mad, and I can't believe that you make us have dinner together. This is so stupid. 13 years old. Okay, this is dumb. I have an exam to study for tomorrow, and this is dumb. And she plunks herself down. And every time somebody says anything to her or opens up their mouth, she just snaps back at them. And finally, Paige cannot stand it for one more minute. 
and spews out. You're just taking it out on us because Sean broke up with you. You want to knock it off? And Nikki's face just goes three shades of red. I can't believe you said that in front of everybody. Slams down her fork, runs upstairs. The door slams. And now at this moment, you're asking yourself, is Sandy trying to convince me to get to the dinner table with her family, with our families, or is she trying to turn us away from doing that? Well, here's the deal. What ends up happening is things calm down. We clean up the dishes. I put on the tea kettle. And a few minutes later, knock, knock, knock. You can't come in. No one's coming in. I don't want to talk to anybody. I say, I know. I just have a cup of tea. She opens the door. I walk in with the tea. She runs behind me and slams the door. I don't know at that point if she knows she's locked me in with her or not yet. <laughs> and the conversation begins. And within a half an hour, there are tears shed and there are hugs. And I leave the room. And a half hour later, I hear the fridge door. My girl is hungry. That is what dinner is all about. It is having the pulse of your family. If it were not for that, I would not have known what was going on that day. We hear about all kinds of things going on in the media right now, just recently. You know, we prayed about it earlier. A young girl took her life. It's the pulse of our family, knowing what's going on. That's what dinner is all about. It's an emotional issue and a time issue, so we have to lick that, and we have to make sure that our families have tools to get through that. Fast forward to 2002. Our daughter, Courtney, comes home and says, Mom and Dad, can you drive me to youth group? Okay, youth group. What's youth group? Well, youth group, it's a place that I want to hang out with, with my friends on Friday night, and, you know, it's at the church. It's at Bow Valley Church. Ron and I kind of look at each other and say, okay, I guess so. And we talk about it and we say, well, she wants to go spend Friday night at a church with a bunch of people, with a bunch of friends. Like, they're churchy people. I guess they don't drink or smoke or take drugs or anything. I guess that would be a good thing. Okay, we'll drive you to youth group. So... That is fall 2003, by, or t fall 2002. By spring 2003, we are accepting the Lord Jesus Christ <laughs> as our personal Savior. Yeah, amen. And so what I want to talk about now is sometimes I think that we have these little spiritual markers in our lives, and I certainly did. And I didn't ever recognize them. And I only started even paying attention to them in 2003. And so threaded through the talk today is not only about the dinner table, and it's not only getting back to the dinner table and why that's important and how we have to think about it differently, but it's also reminding all of you that you have spiritual markers probably as well. Whether you are a Christian now and you've accepted Christ, obviously, or not, it doesn't matter. 
They're spiritual markers, and if you pay attention to them, it's amazing what the big picture looks like and what he has got planned for you, certainly what he had planned for me. So I'm going to show you a picture. This is my family. Uh, I don't know if any of you know, I'm a 53-year-old woman, seven children. There they are. That's my granddaughter, Allie, at the very end. And, uh, you know, I love to point out that, you know, this is a, a picture of perfection, right? Here's my, exactly. I love that this woman laughed. Thank you. Exactly. Picture of perfection. There's the beautiful children. Our house is somewhere in the background. This was Paige's idea to take it on the side of the road. So here's our children. And they look, it looks great. Everyone's smiling, but are they amazing? And are they wonderful human beings? Absolutely. They are amazing human beings. But you know what? It was not always that way. So I want to take you back to 1985. And I love that. Back to, 1980, uh, back to 1985, and that is really where the first spiritual marker, when I looked back, showed up. And it was, I was called home from work, and Paige was sick, two kids at the time. So Dougie, which is the one right beside Ron, and Paige. Paige was two years old. I get called home from work. I'm feeling guilty, and I'm driving in the car, and I'm thinking... Okay, here I am again, leaving my workmates, going to pick up kids. I'm going to get the kids to the do- I'm going to get Paige to the doctor, pick the kids up at, at the day home that they were at. And I'm driving home and I'm clutching onto my steering wheel. And I cannot explain to you how that day impacted the rest of my life. And I'm clutching on and I'm just saying to myself, the whole way to the doctor's office, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. Don't cry. I was so afraid that I was going to get there and they were going to think I was the problem and not Paige. And, and so check the kids in, you know, to the German-fested toys as we do and, uh, and, and get a magazine and open it up. And I started to laugh. The title said, Dinner Time is the Most Stressful Part of a Woman's Day. And I looked down and I... It was written by a male psychologist, and I'm just kind of looking and thinking, okay, you have no idea what I have just been through today. If you think for one minute that dinner time is the most stressful part of my day, you are out of your mind. You are a guy. As I read on, it was unbelievable. It was like this guy was in my home. He went on to say, next slide, that 85% of North Americans don't know what they're having for dinner until dinner. Now, this surprised me, I have to tell you, because as a woman sharing this problem with other women, I would get this reaction. I call it the I'm sorry woman syndrome. So I would, I, would, I would explain to my friends that I was having this difficulty. I'm trying to get Dougie to hockey, and you know, I'm, 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 I've got all good intentions, but then the next thing I know, I'm driving through the McDonald's drive-thru, and I'm getting him a hamburger, and I'm justifying that I'm going to have a salad later. And they would get, have this look, and they would, this look was just like, um, I'm sorry, sorry. And 
I, I thought I was the only one. I just, I, I learned to lie. I learned to stop telling people what my truth was. When I read that article, <laughs> that 85% of North Americans didn't know what they were having for dinner until dinner, I knew that either I had met 15% of all the women who had their act together, or they were lying too. Right? Next slide. He went on to say that the average person spends, and he was talking about women at that time. Things have changed a little bit. He was saying the average person spends 60 minutes a day thinking about dinner. Well, I thought that was the most ridiculous thing that I had ever heard in my entire life. I do not spend 60 minutes thinking about dinner. And then I read on. He said, I want you to think about a 24-hour clock. What happens the night, ladies? What happens, the, or the asker of the meals, whoever that is, ladies or men? What happens the night before when we start saying, okay, so what do you guys want to have for dinner tomorrow night? What's the answer? I don't know. I don't care. You pick. What happens when you pick? Ew. I don't like that. Right? The 24-hour clock. We start it the night before. We don't take the chicken out in the morning, he says, not because we don't know, not, not because we, don't, we forget to take the chicken out. It's because we don't know what we're doing with the chicken. We don't know if we're making tiny chicken. Do I have ketchup? Do I have the tomatoes? Do I have this? Do I have that? So our minds are reeling constantly about what we're going to make and what ingredients we have in the house and if we're able to pull it off. And so we don't take out the chicken because we just don't know what we're doing with the chicken. He goes on to say that if we, North Americans are kind of cuckoo, that we try and follow everybody else's eating habits, and we're all on these diet crazes all the time, like that helps the family. And if we just knew what we were having for dinner at the beginning of each day, we would instinctively know how to eat in the day. So if you're having a cheesy lasagna for dinner, you just know, you just wouldn't feel like cheese or pasta or... So you would just instinctively know not to do that. Well, let me tell you something. The lights came on for me that day. I call it my epiphany day. I call it the day God came to me, and I wasn't even a Christian yet. But looking back, I see what a spiritual marker that was in my life. That day changed everything for me. I was, I come from a family with severe weight problems. I was 50, almost 55 pounds overweight. I could see myself going down the wrong track. I had adopted every diet science there was, Montagnac and Atkins and I'll just name one, I was on it, I took them all in. And you know, at the end of the day, I realized something that day for me and for my family, and that was that when you look at science like this, it forgets to include life. And so when you get on to the diet trap, whether it's to lose weight or whether it's to gain weight, whether it's to have more energy. I mean, you hear it all nowadays. I mean, and ever since I've been on this diet trap, when I was on that diet trap, that's 
all you would hear. I want to have more energy. Of course, I'm going to go on a diet. I want to lose weight. I'm going to go on a diet. But really, at the end of the day, when you look at every single one of them, they will tell you three main things. Reduce your alcohol intake, increase your water intake, and move your butt. Exercise. And I thought, so if I just knew what I was eating at the beginning of the day, if I knew what I was having for dinner, and if I did those other things, because what would happen with me with diets is I would fall off. Why? Because as soon as you have weird food and life is not included, right, you stop drinking the water, you stop doing the exercise, you, see, you, you look at it as a whole. And I also started realizing it was affecting my family because then I would, I, I called myself the chicken finger queen. I mean, I would take chicken fingers and they would go on a cookie sheet and then I would like walk around with some weird food that nobody wanted to eat. And all it did was create the vision in our family. And that is what I believe diets do. I believe not only, we now statistically know that they really mess up your body, but also that they create division in your family, not having a family dinner. So, so there was another problem as well. And the problem was that I was raised in an era of the next slide. Pretty why don't you let me feed the kids? Then this? Well, she shouldn't even be here in the kitchen. That's because Carol Brady's make-believe. And real-life superwomen are usually heading for breakdowns. Now that, that was actually one of my first interviews that I had. Uh, Deb Goebel did that in Vancouver, interestingly, uh, back in 1999. And we talked about how this was ridiculous. But that was my guide for what was normal when I was growing up. That was what I thought was, uh, was right. But my life looked more like the next slide. You want cookies? Ever find mealtime in your home slightly more reminiscent of this? You got cookies. Oh, yeah. I was not a happy camper. You see, I was also raised in an era where I am woman, hear me roar. Anybody remember Helen Reddy? Yeah, yeah. I am woman, hear me roar. I can do it all. I can be a great mom. I can get my kids into sports and activities. I can work and be a fabulous professional. I can do it all. But I was falling apart. So how do I get from that to the dinner table? No problem. I'm going to research. I'm going to do what uh, uh, Brad made it. I'm going to run around and I'm going to find the book or the books. I had a criteria. I'm going to find something that's got a left-to-right format because I personally could not read instructions at 5 o'clock at night. I'm an intelligent woman, but I could not come home at 5 o'clock at night and read instructions and go down and look at the ingredients and then the instructions and then I'm back up to the ingredients and I'm back down to the instructions. I'm back up to the ingredients. So not going to happen for me at five o'clock at night. So I wanted to find something that had a nice left to right format. Something that saute onions, one onion. Cut the chicken, three chicken breasts. Something that was really easy. I wanted to find something that had real pictures, if they had pictures at all. I found that that was a real struggle for me as a beginner, trying to make sure that my family not only all loved the meals, and that was a key as well, that everybody loved the dinners. The adults loved the dinners and the kids loved the dinners. Oh my goodness. But I also wanted to make sure the pictures were real. So I wanted, because I would make these, these, these meals and then 
they, they looked so different than the picture. And it was, it was like, how is that possible? I, I followed everything exactly the way they said, and yet theirs looked so beautiful and mine looked so ugly. How is that possible? So I was looking for something that had real pictures. I was looking for something that wasn't only get in the house, make it, and get out of the house. My life isn't like that all the time. Sometimes I need to get into the house. I needed to prep. I needed to go get somebody to piano or hockey or do whatever or chill out or walk the dog or whatever it was and get back So and, and have dinner at the same time. And I couldn't find it. I couldn't find a system. I couldn't find anything like that. And I kept saying to myself, how is this possible? And now I'm getting a little, you know, cocky with all my friends. I'm going, 85% of us don't know what we're doing. So, you know, this thing has got to be around somewhere. And that, again, marked another spiritual journey, uh, uh, was another spiritual mark in my journey, because I just started getting fed up and started creating it. And what started happening was all of these women around me were coming to me and saying, Jane said that you've got a 20-minute stew. Are you kidding me? And I would light up like a light bulb. And here I was with my career and my children and the whole thing going out of my mind. But all of the sudden, I would just wake up as soon as someone would come to my home and ask me what was going on. It was just phenomenal and such a spiritual marker in my life. And so it leads us now to something that I didn't even expect. 1999, first book comes out. We spent five years testing and retesting with real families on the go. First book comes out in 1999. It was a national bestseller. We had to sell our house. We bought a new house. It's the whole story. We had to give up everything just to make that happen. And lo and behold, what happens in 2003? We become Christians, right? In the fall of 2003, Food Network comes knocking. Next slide. (coughs) Oh, no, didn't work. Come and get it. Hearty and nutritious. Right here. Anyone who doesn't get his or her button here pronto will go without dessert. Hold it, everybody. We forgot to say grace. Hey, that's right. This family could use a little reverence around here. Good drink, good meat. Good dog, let's eat. There's no need to slurp your soup so loudly. She's right, you little slobs. Let's try a little dignity around here. I don't want to hear any slurping. Right, Mom. Hokey dokey, Mom. You know, dinner shouldn't be eaten in silence. This should be a time for communication. That's a good idea, dear. Bart, turn on the TV. On tonight's news, plus plunge kills 43. Freak roller coaster accident decapitated. Oh, yes. Food Network wanted me to come and deal with the dysfunctional families. 
<laughs> okay. Dysfunctional families. Are you kidding me? This was the norm. Unfor we, we, we may laugh and it may be exaggerated, but honestly, it was unbelievable what started happening in the next slide when I started going into the families for fixing dinner. Well, the first thing that I would love is when I walked up to the door and I'd say hello. So I'd walk up to them and I'd say, you know, we'd, someone would introduce us and this woman would stand there, or man, but usually woman, would stand there and, and look at me and say, what are you doing here? And I'd say, well, what do you mean what am I doing here? I'm here to find out about your family's food. And, and they'd say, yeah, I know, but now? And I'd say, well, well, yes, I'm here now to find out about your family's food. I have to create a meal plan for you for four weeks, so of course, I'm here now. Oh, yeah, I know, but I thought it was like somebody from your crew was going to come and ask me questions of my hair. I haven't even done my hair. I haven't even, and they would run off, and, you know, and the kids would be there, and, and so on. So, and of course, so then I'd start asking a battery of questions. I'd say, okay, so, so how come you have me here? Tell me about what you're eating at home. Uh, do you do any takeout? No, 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 no. Okay, okay, how about boxed foods or anything like that? You know, any of those sort of ready-made things or pizzas or any? No, 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 no. They're very high in sodium. <laughs> okay, all right. So is there, if there's nothing that you're doing that's sort of not healthy for you, uh, you know, what about, what about how do you eat? Like, do you, what do, you, what do your kids like to dip? What do you, oh, we don't use that stuff, sugar. There's way too much sugar in that stuff. Okay. So why do you have me here then? What am I here for? Because the whole purpose of the show isn't to feature you on the show. The whole purpose of the show is for me to help you, and then thousands and hundreds of thousands of families are going to be helped through you. So what am I here for? Well, we, we, we need more variety. That was a very common answer. We need more variety. Say, okay. Okay. You need more variety, really. Okay, let's go. Let's do a pantry raid here. I'm going to look in your pantry. I'm going to look in your freezer. You're going to look in my pantry now? Well, yeah, of course. That's, I, I have to figure out what ingredients that you have so that I can figure out how to do a meal plan for your specific family. That's, that's the point. So, of course, what did we find? We would walk into the pantry, and there's all kinds of boxed foods, and then we would go into the freezer, and out would come the frozen stuff, and, you know, we'd go, I, seriously, this is the true story. I, this intelligent doctor looked me straight in the face and said, oh, we don't ever use ketchup or anything like that. There's too much sugar in ketchup. And I said, oh, that's cool. Your kids don't like the dip or anything like that? Oh, yeah, we do. And she showed me a bottle of sweet and sour sauce, and that is a true story. <laughs> and, and here's the deal. At the end of it all, what does that tell us? What does that tell us? It tells us we're so confused. We keep hearing things like ketchup has too much sugar, so we don't want to use ketchup, and we use something else. We're just confused. We don't even know what's going on anymore. And so it was so interesting walking into those homes and seeing all of this food come out. And then, of course, the parent would break down. Often it, this would end in tears. And this parent would be just, and I'd say, hey, 
85% of North Americans don't know what they're having for dinner until dinner. And that was a statistic we knew back in 1985. We can't even imagine what that statistic is now. And there's, there's a reason there's a fast food joint going up on every corner of every minute of every day. It's not because they're hoping someone might walk in. It's because we are. And so how do we... How do we fix some things? I wouldn't mind you, know, you writing down a few things. Obviously, in March, we're going to delve in with the women, and we're going we're to have a blast. We're going to do some fun stuff as women, and we're going to really hunker down and do meal planning. But if you want to get a few things started before I get back in the spring and we, and we sit down with the meal, there's a meal to my madness. It's just a fun women's event. Um, here's a few things you can do. Always know what you are having for dinner at the beginning of each day. That will change the entire dynamic of your home. Next, get help. Our new book, Anyone Can Cook Dinner, it is about showing kids, and it started with our school program, our junior high program in the school system. It started there, but it's proving that when teens or family members in the, in, in the family help out. doesn't mean they're cutting and chopping. doesn't mean they're using the stove. It just means they're helping in some way. It changes everything in that home. Get help. Get your family to pick the five meals you're going to have in the week. Okay. Honestly, if your family get involved in those five lines, I don't care if you're a single person. I'm sorry. You'll have to do it on your own. Or... <laughs> Or a couple without kids. Uh, we hear stories all the time. We just actually had a couple come up to us. And I was telling Brad and Meg about this a little while ago, who just came up to a wellness conference in Edmonton. They have lost 230 pounds between the two of them, eating forward. Okay, so it, it just, it, whatever your situation is, fill in those five lines. You can get a sheet for free on our website that you can print out. It makes it really easy. But if you get your family to pick and you have those picked out ahead of time, what it does is it means, guess what? You take out the chicken because you know what you're doing with the chicken. Because when you know what you're having in the week, it makes you know what other ingredients you're going to need to go get at the grocery store. It's key. And always keep in mind that dinner is about a relationship. Dinner, going back to that first story I told you about, Nikki. Dinner is about a relationship. Dinner isn't about food. Food's just a tool. Do we need great tools? Did we create great tools? Yes, we did. And, 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 and the tools to get dinner on the table, of course, that's very important. Make sure that your meal's around 500 calories. Make sure they're easy to do. Why, is the, why do we want our meals around 500 calories? Anybody? Why? Because... Some people in your family are going to be extremely active and some are going to be sedentary. Some are going to sit at a computer all day long and that's the extent of their, of their energy. Okay, energy in, energy out. Whereas you're going to have kids in your home who are playing soccer and baseball and hockey and all kinds of things and so they are going to need more. Okay, so you need to make sure that the meal is liked by all. Very, very important. Those tools are important. But at the end of the day, Dinner, getting to that dinner table, is about a relationship. It's not about the actual food. Food is just a tool in it all. Okay? So I want you to keep those things in mind. You know, the foundation of your church, uh, when I looked into where I was coming, 
it, I, what, what really stood out for me was three main pillars in, in your church. And I, it, was really, it really spoke to me. And one was conversion, renewal, and discipleship. And the conversion, of course, you know, to heal broken, our brokenness and our broken relationship with God and all the powerful things we can do out in the community when we do that and we forgive ourselves and we know we've been forgiven. I mean, that's just an amazing thing. Renewal, knowing that the Holy Spirit lives inside us. But discipleship. You know, when we turn from individualism and when we reach out and we are interdependent on God and others, it changes everything. It changes everything. You can reach out to your community through something called dinner. So you can get your community out for a meal to my madness in spring when we're here. And we can actually start teaching people that to be a Christian doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean your family is going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect. But what it does mean is that you're going to make a connection. And I want to end with one little last thing, some statistics that we know about kids for sure from a research level. The more kids and teens, I'm looking at you, because you were looking at the recipes earlier. The more kids and teens get involved with the cooking or a non-cook. We say teens are non-cooks, okay? The more they participate in the cooking, preparation of a meal, and eating a meal at home, they are less likely to get addicted to drugs and alcohol. They are less likely to get bad marks in school. They are more likely to have a better body image. The list goes on and on and on and on. Yet we have a culture of parents who feel very guilty about burdening non-cooks with extra duties because they're already busy. Well, you know what? We're all busy. And if we as a church, Jericho Community Church, can reach out to a community and the community can understand that we do things like fixing dinner, let me tell you something. Everything can change. Because when a community changes and their marriages get stronger and their families get stronger, everything in your community will change. Thank you very much. Oh, and I do need to say one thing. Sorry, I forgot. I forgot Ron's sitting there. He's going, I'm over there with a whole bunch of books. Okay. So here's, what, here's the deal. Are we, our books are uh, in the store. They're about 30 bucks. And you can tell this isn't my thing, this, this part. Uh, but they're about 30 bucks in the store when you count tax and stuff. And what they do for these specific events is they bundle them in four for 40 bucks. So if you've got Christmas presents to give, yeah, the, you, they're, they're cheap. They're like 10 bucks a piece. So there, Ron's happy. I said something about it. <laughs> Yay, right. Sandy. Talk hey. about the books. Well, Sandy, before, why don't we just have you stay up there for a minute, and if, sure. if anybody has any questions, maybe, that this has kind of prompted, and something's yeah. kind of bumping around in your brain, we got a few minutes here, and I can come around, stick your hand up, I'll come around with the mic, and you can say, tell me a little bit more about this particular aspect, or what's your opinion on, on these things, right? Just think of a, maybe a question that's been rummaging around in your brain that might have some wider implications for other people. Please. I'd love it. Are all you guys at the dinner table every night? No problem. <laughs> all right. 
wondering why you uh, get people to do a month meal plan. No, actually, I'm so glad you asked that. No, I don't do a month's meal plan. Good question. Thank you. Because a lot of people do think that. We, do, we actually group them in five. So we believe that a meal plan should be week by week. And we believe that for a whole bunch of reasons. And one of the reasons is uh, financially. Uh, there's actually a rotation in the grocery stores. And I don't know if you've noticed that, but there is a rotation. You'll notice that chicken is a big feature every once in a while. And then the next thing you know, pork is a big feature every once in a while. And beef is a big feature. So what we do is we really encourage people to do a week-to-week plan. And when those things are on sale, just double up a little bit. And what happens in, within about two weeks you actually save so much money, it's ridiculous. We had, uh, we had um, a, a great opportunity to have um, our son on the show. And that's like a no-no in Food Network. You don't have your own relatives or friends or anything like that on your show. And the reason we did it was because we wanted to show an opportunity of what a different family looked like. Our son had moved out, bought a house, and he was uh, renting rooms to three of his friends, basically. So they were going to, between going to university and working, they were, they were living in this home. And they came to me and said, you know, Dan came to me and said, Mom, we're eating junk all the time because it's cheap. And I said, oh, okay. So we went to the network, asked if we could do a show, fast forward, went back to the kids. And we said, I said, so they, they gave it their approval. I said, I'd like you to, for anyone who's seen this show, I don't know. It was really fun and it was really true. So we, we added up all their receipts for takeout, and they're cheap food, and they're $5.95 meals, and they're $6.95 meals. We added up all the receipts, put them in an envelope, and I said, hey, you guys, you're right. It's 100 bucks a week. They, you know, that's pretty cheap, right? They said, see? That's times four adults, a family of four. That's $1,600 a month, and they just about fell over. And so a big, we cut it down to $400 a month, by the way. That was, at the end of the day, they couldn't believe that their bills went down to $400 a month. So, and we proved to them that you can work around shift workers and that even though four young adults aren't a mother and father and children, that they were a different kind of family environment that they had to live in, in, in and make ends meet as well. So big key to us is that one-week plan and that one-week grocery list. And we actually have the grocery list always in the back of our books. They're nutritionally balanced weeks. And then you can also go into our ESG on our website, and you can actually pick pictures with your family. We say kids eat with their eyes. That's why we have those pictures. So you can pick pictures, and you can actually print off your grocery list. So you don't even have to do the work anymore. It's really cool. Anybody else? Aha. Michael. more of a comment. Uh, I found it really interesting, uh, just the time management thing. It takes the same amount of time, if not longer, to actually go out and do a drive-through mm-hmm. than to actually make a meal. And it's such a great point. Uh, it does actually... Remember what I said earlier, and I love what you just said, because we think the dinner problem is food, but the dinner problem is here. It's between our ears. It's an emotional problem. And, and, and so when we realize that we can't fix the dinner problem with food, we actually have to fix our mind and say, hey, weeknight cooking is 20 minutes or less. We've got to do this quickly. 
If we want to take more time, you know, cutting and chopping and being like Iron Chef on the weekend, well, that's another thing. Okay, fine. But we have to understand that in actuality, we did a show called Beat the Pizza Guy. And this is true. We did it on the education station. Yes, I made three gourmet pizzas, and I was on my second meal by the time the pizza guy showed up. And they went, yep, they went, one, two, three, go. And they called the pizza guy, and I started. And so it's such a great point. It's that mind thing that we have to get over. We have to understand that this isn't a food issue, that this is, that we're so overwhelmed with so much that we have to understand it's actually quicker to do it at home. And, of course, it's so much healthier. Yeah. Thank you. That was awesome. Jody. Right over here. I think the problem that the two of us face is we're really busy, and like everyone else here, um, we really would like to eat no hormone meat and a little less meat. So yep. we find that hard to work that into our budget. Any suggestions? Yes. Actually, and, and I don't know if you, do you know our books at all? Have you seen our books at all? Okay. So at the beginning of each week, we always have vegetarian options. So we've actually tested those. We test our, our meals with, uh, we started with 160 servings a week, and they always go out to a test ground. And, and I think that we're seeing that a little bit more and more. The hormone-free uh, meats, that is a pocketbook thing. I always say to families, I say, you know, the difference between somebody who goes to McDonald's and somebody who goes to the deli to get chicken cordon bleu, uh, you know, really, there's only one difference, and that's their pocketbook. And the guy who's getting the chicken cordon bleu at the high-end deli loves to put down the person who's going to McDonald's. But really, the difference is their pocketbook. And so when people want to make a choice to have meats that are hormone-free and, and dairy and, and so on and so forth, I mean, all the power to you. If that's something that you can afford and you can put that into your... No, I like what you said, no. You know. <laughs> well, maybe you just want to do it gradually. But um, we are becoming a culture that I think is being a little more aware, and we are cutting back on some of the meat that we eat. And, uh, you know, some of the things scare us that, we, that are happening out in the, in the world today with mass production. But I do like to say also, um, whether you are a vegetarian or you're a carnivore, that, that there will be more scary things coming and they will be vegetable related. And we did see that with spinach. We did see that with cantaloupes. And I think that's just the reality of our world in mass production of food. You know? And, it's, and it's, kind of, it's, it's our new reality. So we just have to learn how to deal with those foods differently. But all the power to you. I think it's a great find out. There's, there's great resources now on the, on the internet uh, that'll tell you where the local farms are that are, are, are you know, using those practices and maybe gradually start putting it in to, into your diet and, and, and see if it makes a difference. I'm sure it will. Yeah. All right, Deb, last question. I find, like, I really related to you when you mentioned, you know, taking out chicken and what do you do with it. Sure. And for me, with the quick planning is, you know, once again, I'll take it out and it's like, hello, chicken. Yes. You again. And so even when I think, okay, I'll make the sweet and sour chicken. I'll get on the internet, and there's 475,000 uh, recipes uh, for chicken. Some says, cook at 350. No, cook at uh, 300. Cook for 10 minutes. Cook for 20 minutes. I, I, and you feel incompetent to actually address the chicken. Yes. 
Thank you. What do I do? Okay. I, I want to kiss you right now for saying what you just said, honestly. Yeah. And I do love my, my husband dearly, but I do want to give you a big kiss right now. This is so real, what you just said. What's happened is we've gone from being lied to about quick and easy cookbooks, uh, which, which is what I experienced way back when, when you know, you'd get to the section and there was like five recipes and your kids were not going to eat sauerkraut and, and eat mammy beans. And, and it just wasn't going to happen. And, so, and kale, kale, okay, really. So, come on, let's get serious here. My, okay, let's get serious here. My kid had a temper tantrum and went blue on the floor because he wanted the real chicken fingers when I started making real chicken fingers because he thought the real chicken fingers were the ones in the box. And so, <laughs> and so let's get serious here. We're not eating kale. So what you just said is the new lie. And, and when I say that, please, I'll, 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 you know, expand on that. It doesn't mean that it's not the truth when it's a lie, okay? It doesn't mean that they're not giving you great information on the Internet. It's fantastic. It's phenomenal what you can find out on the Internet. But the time to be searching recipes is not at 5 o'clock at night or 4 o'clock in the evening or even the night before. Remember... This is an emotional, getting to the dinner table is an emotional issue. It is a time issue. And now we're going to the internet, trying to figure out in the midst of chaos, I spoke to the dietitians of Canada, and let me tell you something. One of the dietitians came up to me and she said, do you know when the crisis center goes crazy? Yes. At dinner. At dinner time. The crisis phones are just ringing off the hook. This is a time where we've been maybe in a traffic jam. You still, we don't understand that there's blocks of time. You've got a, your full-time job before you get to work. You wake up, you get ready, you do your thing. Then you go to work all day, whether you're a mother who works at home or you work out in an office. Let me tell you, we all know you're working your butt off. So you work in the morning, then you have another shift, and then you come home for shift three. This is not the time to be on the internet. The time to be on the internet hunting down what you can do with your whatever, chicken, or foie gras, or whatever you're trying to figure out, is when you can relax, and it's an entertainment, it's got entertainment value, and you're learning something, and you're growing. If this is not an enjoyable experience, this is not the time you should be doing this. Seriously, folks. This is screwing up our family dinners, really. Really, really. I could kiss you for saying that. I will, actually. <laughs> well, if, if you've got a question that you're uh, thinking about, uh, Sandy and Ron are going to be here. They'll be over at the table, and so you're very welcome to interact with her and uh, pick her brain on a topic of interest to you. Uh, she has just such an incredibly wide range of expertise and uh, practical suggestions for you on all of these topics. So we want to thank you so much for being here with us today and for sharing your story, sharing your heart with us. And I uh, just want to thank you for uh, being in attendance as well. And uh, we're exploring uh, what it would look like to have Sandy back in the spring. So we'll be giving you information about that as we get closer to that uh, for a meal to my madness and trying to get people together uh, around dinner and get in a healthier space that way. So thanks for being with us. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So uh, if you have kids, now is the time to go ahead and pick them up from the children's programming with the security tags that you got when you checked in. If you want to stay around and meet other people, there's still coffee there for you. You're very welcome to do it. And we'll see you back here uh, next week with us at Jericho Ridge as we continue on uh, growing and learning together. Thanks for being with us.